Welcome to this week's episode of Newton's Laws of Sports. I am your host, Christian Newton. For this week's episode, I called in Tommy Brazil. Tommy works in Las Vegas for the Oakland Athletics AAA affiliate. Tommy and I discuss his internship at a Boston sports radio station, as well as working during the pandemic for a minor league baseball team. And now to my conversation with Tommy Brazil. All right, and welcome to this week's episode of Newton's Laws of Sports. Today, I am joined by my long lost friend, Thomas Brazil. Tommy, how are you today? You know, I couldn't be better sitting in the air conditioning out here in Vegas. It's, it's very nice. So, what have you been up to during the quarantine? People want to know, and by people, I mean me. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, people probably don't want to know, but not a lot. I mean, there's been quite a few shows on that I've watched. Um, I went back to work in April, late April, so I was only really off for about a month. Um, But less hours now, so I've just been watching a lot of TV, um, playing some video games, hanging out with my brother's new baby. Um, That's about it. Boy or girl for the baby? It is a little girl. Name? Thea Eden, named after the um, the Red Arrow in the sh- TV show Arrow. It's his sister Thea. God, you're such a nerd. <laughs> we're we are nerds. We're comic nerds, so more of a Star Wars nerd, but he's the comic nerd. All right, now uh, transitioning from your nerdiness over to sports. What got you into sports to begin with? And what's, what's the sports scene like in where you're from in Seattle? Um, so I grew up in Tacoma, Washington, which is a little bit south of Seattle. Um, I played baseball my entire youth career, um, and that was mostly due to my grandparents. Uh, my grandpa played semi-professionally, and then my mom was also a big softball player. Um, so they kind of started me on the baseball path early um, and I took that all the way through high school um, chose not to play college didn't really want to get into it in the, the college scene um, and then I played basketball starting in high school wish I played that a lot earlier because I enjoyed that more than baseball um, so that's that's my start in sports I think it was definitely due to my family um, and that grew into a passion of my own um, and the sports scene in Seattle you know the only sports team that matters there is the Seahawks and the Sounders. The, the Mariners are nothing. They're getting a hockey team pretty soon. Basketball, if it comes back, it'll be huge. Rest right in peace. Now, Rest in peace, CL Supersonics. Oklahoma City Thunder, they stole our players. Me and you know each other from LaSalle College. So I got to ask you, why choose LaSalle? You're from all the way out in the Pacific Northwest. Why make that trek all the way out to the Northeast? So for one, my parents had a rule with me and my brother that we had to choose out-of-state colleges. And that doesn't justify me going across the country, but it is at least out-of-state. 
Um, so, and when I, when I chose to look for sports communication schools, um, when I chose to look at sports communication schools, most of them were on the East coast. The closest one I actually applied to was Marquette, which is, um, Wisconsin. Um, so, you know, I was kind of looking further away and I just ended up at LaSalle. It was my, in my top two and I visited and I liked it. So you mean to tell me you could have went to the school of Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade, Wade. Yes. and you yes. ended up going to LaSalle? It, it was a lot cheaper, and LaSalle gave me better scholarship. All right. Fair. Why sports communication, then, for a major? Other than you, um, you're very interested in sports, why sports communication? Why not sport management? Obviously, sports were a big part of my life, and one thing growing up um, – as as a little boy, my grandpa would always like commentate during games and, and just talk to me, talk through things with me as as we watched the sport. So that kind of got me thinking into how can I do that as a as a career and kind of talk through the game while it's going on and stay like in tune with it. Um, so that's kind of where the communication aspect of it came from. Um, and we'll probably get to this a little later. My my tunes changed a tad now that I'm working in the sports industry a little bit um, from what my goal was. But uh, that's kind of where it came from was my grandpa again and just watching games, listening to games, and I had a passion for that. So what kind of games? Was it just – was it baseball? Was it all kinds of ba- basketball? It was football, just about everything. Baseball, everything. Football, basketball. Being from Seattle, there wasn't a lot of hockey, so I'm not a big hockey person at all. Um, but even now, now that I'm in Vegas, the Golden Knights are pretty big out here, so I tend to see some of their games. Uh, and it's interesting. I've gone to a couple as well. Um, but it's just not something I understand completely, so I haven't gotten into it. Fair enough. So come back to it again. Are you sure that you weren't interested in playing D3 of any sport whatsoever at LaSalle? You know – D3 sports are great. I chose not to, but I did choose to do something harder, and that's become an international athlete. Um, and in my mind, that's tough for changing sports every single year. That's tough, man. Um, and I certainly wasn't in shape for it, but it got the best of me a couple of years. We won a championship with our football team, and it felt good. Oh, boy, Tommy. Anyways, I want to talk to you about your internship experience. So what Tommy did was he did an internship for sports radio in Boston at the radio station WEEI. I got to ask you, how did you get interested in the radio? Like, why did you choose that as your internship? Um, so one, I think we can all agree that when we were looking at internships, we were kind of like thrown into it and we're just like, what do we actually want to do with this? Because um, at LaSalle, it's required we actually have an internship. So once that time period came, um, one, I was already involved in LaSalle's radio station. Um, so that helped uh, push me in the right direction for this one. Um, and I enjoyed what I did, hosting shows and producing shows and just hanging out with friends while we did it. Um, and then once the actual internship class came around, my professor um, kind of just asked me what I wanted to do. I said, let's go into the radio. Do you know, have any contacts on the radio? And she's like, you know, I absolutely do. Um, and they got me on with WEI as a production intern. Um, and I enjoyed that a lot for the semester I was there. 
Now, since we pretty much know who the communication staff is at LaSalle, who got you in there? Just between us two and whoever else is listening. Man, what was their name? I don't even remember the names now. Um, Professor um, Vicente, is that the right name? Sounds about right. Man, I can't remember the name. Um, was it the one with yeah. the hus husband was the photographer or the yeah. camera guy? I feel like that that's wrong. Vicente? Yeah, that might be her. Like, I can picture her in my head. Like, I'm staring right at her. But the name's just kind of eluding me. But, yeah, she was definitely the one that, that knew the contact and got me in touch with him. What were your responsibilities at the internship? Like, what – Primarily, if you had to give a description of it, what would it be for, for your internship? Um, so I think the biggest thing that we did was, one, research for the daily shows, and two, during the daily shows, we would always be responsible for editing, cutting, and having ready audio. Can I cut you um, off for a second? So uh, what show was this exactly, just for the listeners? Um, so Dale and Keith show. Uh, I believe they are now mornings, afternoons, mornings and afternoons. Dale and Keith. Um, and it was Michael Hawley with them when I started, but then he left during the time I was there. So now it's just the Dale and Keith show. Um, but yeah, that was basically it. I, the biggest thing we did was probably edit, cut, find, um, and research different storylines, different audio, different video. Um, so they could use it live on air and there's, there's no lag that they have to look it up or anything that's already ready for them. So what did you enjoy about interning at a Boston sports radio station? What was Honestly, that? Like? I think the professionalism of, of the people that hosted the show. And I know Dale Keat, Dale um, Arnold is a huge um, hockey guy. He works with Nesson as well. And he's a very professional guy. And I think, watching and listening to him and how he goes about things um, within the business was a, was a huge thing that stuck with me and still does. Um, and then you have the flip side of it with Keith, who is kind of a little bit more off edge and just kind of throws it at you. And He's more out there. Let's put it that way. He is. He is. He's more of like the, the fun guy that you'd want to hang out with outside and just drink a beer or something like that. Um, but he's also a very intelligent guy and he knows what he's doing and listeners like listening to him because sometimes he just goes off the wall. You liked it. But what are, what are some things about the internship for radio, Boston sports radio station that, that you didn't really care for or wasn't for you? Um, honestly, sometimes during shows, it could get a little bit slow and like what I'm actually doing. Um, so I'd literally just have to sit there and listen, um, which, you know, that's, that's part of it. Um, as like a producer, they obviously had a lot of responsibilities, so they weren't keeping up with the interns every second, every minute, every hour. Um, so we'd go two, three hours without even seeing them just because they're so busy in the show. Um, so once in a while, it'd get a little bit slow for us and we'd uh, get some homework done, which wasn't great. But um, honestly, that's probably the the biggest downside of it from my recollection. All right. Now, because you had to work in radio, I mean, you ha you've had to have some memorable experiences there. 
even if it was for a short time frame. So give us maybe like two, maybe three memorable experiences you had interning at WEEI. My first one, you probably know where this is headed, is, is when I actually got on air. And it was yeah. during the, the Boston Celtics-Milwaukee Bucks playoff series that was, was what was that, 2018, um, where they actually put me on air. They had me find a bunch of random facts about the Bucks and the Celtics that were just out of the blue random. Um, and it was for a segment called Keith's Keys. And, Hold on, time and they just had. Did you just Google this out of nowhere, like just random facts about Celtics Bucks? Or... Pretty much, yes. That, that was our job. <laughs> um, so we looked up random facts um, and, or looked at like statistics from their series or from games they pre- previously played, like say Al Horford had averaged 30 points per game on a Tuesday. Like that's something that we would know, um, which never happened because he doesn't average yeah. 30 points any day. No, not um, a, not a chance. I don't know. Maybe the last time was in high school. If that's seriously, um, or but it was just random fact. Like that. And I I brought up a point that I'm trying to remember this. That um, I want to say it was deer because it's the Milwaukee Bucks are the only animals with antlers, and that's apparently a true statement. And the hosts of the show were like, "That can't be true." There's there's other animals like moose and and antelope and all that good stuff but it's true that deer are the only subset of category of whatever animal this is this species that has antlers what moose and antelope have are something else which i still don't know to this day but so this really was a national geographic segment not even sports radio this was national geographic (laughs) we basically got into animal planet um i sent them an audition tape but i didn't hear anything back um but yeah it's it was that's basically a, that's a shame. Uh, that was just a shame. I know, but it, it was a fun time getting on radio, listening to it back. The other intern like clipped it for me in the back and was like, "Here's your audio, just take it." And I did. <laughs> I still have it today. Um, so that was probably the the most memorable moment I had there. No, because I can definitely remember this when you, you mentioned this and you showed me it. All I can remember is like Rich Keith just yelling out, "Thomas!" <laughs> that was my ringtone for a certain amount of time (laughs) i mean it got us through class that's for sure i mean jeez (laughs) yeah that was that was definitely a good time still have it too still have the audio all right any others or that's just the main one like you stick with that one seeing some of like the guests they had on there i know alex cora was on they had uh Gary Streisky, if you remember him from the Red Sox Sign Reporters, he was he was there a couple times. Um, Rob Ninkovich, you just get to meet some of the cool sports and New England athletes that, that are in the in the business too. Did you tell Ninkovich thanks for the uh, Super Bowl? You know, I'm not a Patriots fan, so I didn't even think about it. I don't know if he was playing at that time or not, but I think it was also to add con- to add context, Tommy is an Eagles fan. Fly Eagles fly. That's another time. 2018, when I was interning, oh, the Patriots and the Eagles played in the Super Bowl, and I had the last lap because my Patriots wiped the floor, or my Eagles wiped the floor with the Patriots. Whoa, you're Patriots, huh? No, Come on Eagles. board. Come on board. Oh. Oh. Never, not the Jared Stidham uh, train. After working at your internship, 
any plans to get into sports radio at all or any kind of radio in general or you know I'd, I'd still love to um the current job i have now um i am i'm still trying to work my way into that a little bit um it's just definitely a smaller operation being a minor league baseball team um so i'm still definitely trying to get to that point uh, like i mentioned earlier my goals have kind of changed for for working in the sports industry and i guess i'll cover that now but uh it's changed in the fact that i've realized that working during the games is honestly kind of a pain in the butt like you don't get to sit down and enjoy the games like like i thought you would yes you're you're watching the game you're taking in the game but you're working and there's a workflow that you have to hit one thing after the other and it's it's not as enjoyable as just say sitting there and watching a game taking it all in understanding what's happening um being involved in the culture of it the people the fans you don't get that when you're actually working during the game and that's one thing that i've kind of changed like i I still want to be in the sports industry for sure um but if there's a way to do it without not being able to enjoy the sport then that's something i'd want to find you work in Las Vegas for the Las Vegas Aviators, who, as you mentioned, are a minor league baseball team. So how did you end up in Vegas? Um, so Just, first off, I graduated in 2018 and stayed in Massachusetts for about 10 months, maybe. I left in January the next year. Um, probably 10 months longer I, than you wanted to. You know, I was okay with it. I, I enjoyed my time in Massachusetts. Just jobs weren't working out there. So I looked back here where my family is. Um, and I got in contact with someone who worked for um, the minor league team here that I'm working for now. Um, and, you know, I just kind of ran with it. I said, you know what, I pack up, move there. I got a good opportunity and I'm enjoying myself out here. So uh, with this job, what Kind of similar to the question I gave you for the internship. So what, what are your primary responsibilities? Give us a basic job description of what you have to do. So I believe my title technically is sales specialist. Um, it's, it's not a necessarily glorifying job. Um, I work a lot with their team store, their retail and their customer base, um, their fan base. Um, and you hear retail and you think, are you just tagging shirts and stuff like that? It's, it's a ton more than that for a small like operation, like a minor league baseball team. Um, we run our own website, which is something I've enjoyed a lot doing for them. Uh, we run a lot of the social media as well. Um, we have a lot of say in what social media is posted. So there's a big professionalism side of that, um, as well as our online side as well. You have to be very professional. You have to be very standard. Um, not only are we, looked at by the company that owns us, but we're looked at by our major league affiliate in the Oakland A's. Um, so we have a professionalism standard that they're also looking at. Um, but basically that our day-to-day is, is simply interacting with customers, with fans, um, running our website. And currently, obviously, things are different in the minor league baseball world because it got shut down last week um, for the season. Um, but right now we're still going at it like we're getting ready for 2021. I mean, there's going to be a season eventually. We just got to be ready for it. Speaking of the cancellation of the season, like when you heard you first heard the news, like, A, how did you hear about it? And B, like, 
what was your reaction to it? It must kind of stink. About a week before the news dropped, we had a conference call with our president of the team. And he told us two things would happen. We're either going to have a season, which we hope there's fans, or they're just going to do like taxi squads, which means we're not going to have games or anything like that. They'll just have players ready to go for the A's. Um, and then a week later, we got a press release sent out by our head of communications guy and our media guy that said season's canceled. Um, no major league team's going to supply players for us this year. So basically just shuts it all down. Um, and honestly, it was kind of like a – we knew it was going to happen. It wasn't something that was out of the blue um, with everything going on. If there's not going to be – there was talks there wouldn't be even a major league season, why would there be a minor league season? Um, I think their priority was the major leagues, and they're going forward with that. So minor leagues kind of just got pushed to the side, which makes sense. Major over minor any day of the week. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a bummer to hear that. Um, and honestly, still in – in my mind is, could I get laid off for a little while? Absolutely. I definitely think it's a possibility. Um, I'm not looking forward to that or want to think about that, but, you know, it is a possibility. But until that day comes, you know, we're just going to push ahead. How has your role changed with the pandemic? Um, so, honestly, there's four or five of us full-timers that work specifically with, like, the retail staff. Um, and we're the only ones that are at the ballpark currently other than operations and security. So it, it's kind of been a little bit more normal for us because we're just kind of pushing along doing our normal thing, whereas everyone else is still on the stay-home mandate. Um, they just have no reason to bring them back. They can do their work from home at the moment. Um, so for us, the only thing that's really different is we're the only ones in the ballpark, like, Usually there's a bunch bunch of full-time people. There's fans that come to the games during this time. But, you know, there's four of us churning away at our jobs right now. What What's the protocol like? What are the safety measures that they're taking at your workplace? So for us, Vegas actually completely all over Vegas. The uh, governor, I think Nevada, the, either the governor or the mayor put out the uh, mandate that one, masks have to be worn in public. Um, and then social distancing is obviously still in effect, um, which that's going to go on for some time. And I'm assuming the masks are too. Um, but other than that, definitely keeping things sanitary. We have cleaning crews in there more times than not now. But our jobs as a whole is trying to keep things sanitary too, um, to the best of our abilities, not only for our sake, but for fans, for employees, for anyone that walks in there. Um, so trying to do a little bit more of that as well, which I hate cleaning personally. So I don't really like that aspect of it. but. Um, obviously social distancing is a big thing. Masks are a big thing. Um, they, we have an occupancy of, I don't even know. I think it's half 50 still. I think that's the phase we're in. Um, but I believe we have to cut that in half for our occupancy. So less people in at a time, which is okay. Cause there's usually only four of us at a time. Um, but pretty standard stuff with this pandemic. A lot of places are doing it. We're just kind of trying to follow along. So, pandemic aside, what's it really like living in Vegas? Not the, not the tourist version. Plenty of, has been made about the tourist version. What's the actual version of living in Vegas like? Yeah. People think that Las Vegas is, is the strip. It's casinos, hotels, food, 
And sure, that's that's one side of Vegas. It's it's glorious in its own aspect for people visiting. For people living here, you hate it. You're just like, I'm not going down there. That place is gross. Uh, a lot of random people you don't want to see or run into. Um, I've been down there since I moved out here maybe twice. Um, and one of them was during the pandemic. Me and my dad just took a bike ride down the entire strip because it was all closed. Um, but outside of that, there's a lot more. It's it's certainly a desert. The heat is killer. Um, it's a nice place to live. Firing up the air conditioners? Absolutely. That's that's honestly why I'm in my brother's house right now is because he has better air conditioning. Um, but yeah, but it's, it's an enjoyable place to live um, outside of that one area down where people think Vegas is. Um, it's just like any other place. It's normal living. Cost of living's lower, which is nice for me. Um, there you go. But I enjoy it. There's definitely not as much greenery as I'm used to in Washington and then Massachusetts. But you got to live with the scorpions and the lizards out here. Or the aviators. As or the aviators, you know. Yeah. Everyone hates that name and logo, but it's all right. Somebody had to come up with it. So They did. And, and I believe we're owned by the company Howard Hughes, which is our – like a real estate company. Um, but Howard Hughes was like famous for aviation and all that. And they let somebody who was like related to him design a logo and stuff. So it's just crap. Now, as host, I am giving you my responsibilities. You may ask me three questions relating three to sport, relating to sports, obviously all, all sports related topics are in play. And I will do my best to answer. So this is what I like to call flipping the script. Tommy, All right. I'll, ask away. I'll throw, I'll throw one at you that you kind of asked me. How has your job changed what you're doing now with the pandemic? So originally I was supposed to do an internship for my master's over at a high school in Massachusetts. It's called Austin Preparatory School. So... The internship period for me was supposed to be from like mid-March to late April. The first day I go in to start my internship at Austin Prep, the whole Rudy Gobert, NBA, coronavirus, pretty much everything getting shut down. That's, that's pretty much when I started. And then everything just got shut down. And I was like, oh. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do now because I can either stick with the internship and do it remotely from home or I can take like some kind of seminar class, which is more academic work. And truthfully, I think you learn a lot more through experience than you do just from reading a book. 100%. So what ended up changing is I worked remotely from home and sure, I had less less responsibilities than I would say if I were to go into the school. But in all, I mean, I, I learned what pretty much crisis management was and you're try you're doing your best to stay on top of things and you're preparing for the next season, which is going to be the fall season. You prepare like it's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, you got to correct your course. For right now, we're, it's just at the stage where we prepare for the fall season and prepare for 
summer camps. Be very have to limit who you're gonna have at camps, the numbers and all that. And so it's really just it's risk management. Now I heard earlier today that Harvard has said that they will not host classes all year next year. Will that affect their sports too? I assume sports won't happen then for a year then too, right? I I don't know what what Harvard's going to do. I Harvard and all the Ivy League schools have been on top of everything regarding the pandemic anyway. They were pretty much the first to shut down right away. So I imagine once they might not have a fall season. That's my guess. Winter season up in the air, the usually around winter fall like winter season is when most of the sickness comes anyway and probably the second this definitely the second wave is going to come and then hopefully by the blessing of whoever holy hell whoever's on high and the uh, doctors that are in charge of creating a vaccine hopefully they come up with something and can slow or eliminate the spread of this disease and hopefully by spring of 2021 we have sports at the college level yeah so speaking of sports 2021 let's move it back to 2020 now what do you think of these bubble ideas that the major league sports are getting into so from a logistical standpoint i mean and health-wise i get it 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 makes sense. You want to, you want to eliminate the spread and you eliminate the spread by you keeping yourself in a centralized location. I get that. But what, what bothers what bugs me in a way, especially for the NBA or just, just in human in general, like you want to be with your family. There's no doubt about it. You can say, well, most of the NBA guys are on the road anyway. They should be used to sacrificing time, their family time for their job. No, they still get, they can still go home, like, especially during home games. They can still go home to their family, see their kids, maybe in a limited capacity, but they still see them. Now it's just like, you're in the, you're in this bubble. You're with your peers, your coaches, and whoever else they have on the traveling party and it's it's going to be a mental grind which whoever wins the nba championship or whoever wins any championship in general during this especially if they're in a bubble yeah maybe it has an asterisk so what like mentally they're gonna have to grind like crazy to get through this and yeah my the asterisk isn't even like a bad asterisk. Like this, this could be like one of the more difficult championships you'll ever have to participate for. Like other than the health experts that have been, that are supposed to be tracking this, like the regular people who could have known that a pandemic was coming, who could have known? No, you don't know. And then when you, when the pandemic hits, you gotta, you gotta figure a way to figure it out. And if that means going into a bubble and sacrificing family time, sacrificing home crowd, sacrificing shutting up the away fans. So be it. So be it. Man. 
nothing else you can say at this point. Yeah, as long as players' unions are on board with it, it's going to be tough, but they're agreeing to it. It seems like for a major league, for baseball, for basketball, they're agreeing to go into this. Obviously, you see some players that are opting out, which is fine. Um, but I think the numbers for, like, NBA was you only will be without, like, friends and family. They can come to them for, like, a month. Um, so it's just a month without family, basically, and then they can come into the bubble. Yeah. Um, Till around the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. The only issue I have with that is it sounds like the family members can come and go as they please in and out of the bubble, yeah. but the players can't go in and out of the bubble. So I, that's a little bit of a gray area for me. I don't know. I haven't – obviously, I haven't read the protocol, but if that's the case, that's that sounds dangerous. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like if you're going to bring someone in the bubble, then keep them in the bubble in my mind rather than having them go back out potentially have something come back in and give it to everybody. All right. Well, Tommy, this has been real. It has been fun. Has it been real fun? That's up for a debate. Oh, time will tell. That That's for uh, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp to figure out. Or Stephen you know, A and Max. Whoever. Stephen A is my He'll figure it out. Anyways. Good talking to you, and this concludes this week's episode of Newton's Laws of Sports with my guest today, Tommy Brazil. Tommy, thanks again. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Newton's Laws of Sports. Once again, I would like to thank Tommy Brazil for jumping on. Stay tuned for more episodes of Newton's Laws of Sports in the future.